So y'all are in for a great treat as we have two very special guests. Um, and they're going to share with you a little bit about what the work they're doing. For many of you who know over the years we've been doing work um, with sending blankets and stuffed animals to Israel. And Barry has been a very uh, important part of that and the work she's done. So she's going to tell you all about it. Since we're running a little late, I'm going to let them kind of introduce themselves. So welcome and thank you all. Thank you. Shalom, y'all. We're so glad to be here, and we just love Scott and Judy, Rabbi Scott and Judy and Natalie, and so many familiar faces here, and it's just a blessing. I'm just going to share a short testimony uh, of mine. Jeff's going to share after me. I'm going to share about uh, the work that God is doing through us in Israel, because as I come in and I see Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, see all these beautiful things, the prayer hotel at the back, it blesses my heart. You all touch Israel and uh, you're touching the apple of his eye and it's a blessing to see this, an encouragement. Uh, my name's Barry K. Seif, Barry Seif, and it was formerly Barry Malin until about 41 months ago when I got married to my Bashert Jeff Seif. I had never married. At age 62, I said, I do. He was a widower, and uh, he had been married 30 years ago. I knew him way long time ago. Uh, wasn't interested. He went on and got married to a beautiful woman who went on to be with the Lord. But she encouraged him to marry me before she passed, which is an amazing, amazing selfless love act. And so here we are uh, serving the Lord, and several in this group, even know my story and so um, Jeff and I are both of Jewish heritage uh, my mom was reformed dad was orthodox strict so I grew up with the understanding that Jesus maybe was a prophet this is what I was taught uh, that he was a good man but um, not born of a virgin not died not resurrected none of that not son of God that's what I was taught but in January of 1980 in Dallas Two gentlemen over lunch shared with me one Bible verse that changed my life. Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way, but the Lord has taken the iniquity of us all on him. And not knowing the Bible, not knowing the Holy Scriptures, what the Jews call the Bible, nothing. The, the Holy Spirit quickened the light inside that turned on and I recognized that that was Jesus. That was my Messiah. I, I mean, I... I Recognize I needed a savior and it was Yeshua Jesus. So my life changed Dramatically from not having a moral compass to really walking with the Lord trusting him um, all those years uh, My mom was halfway accepting of me, but my father was not when I finally told him of um, My love for Jesus and my need for a savior and that I'd been walking with him for some years but to God be all the glory, I've got two of my three brothers are believers. I have my, my holdout brother, uh, the youngest one. His son is just finishing uh, his master's in seminary. Uh, and so the Lord continues to work uh, in spite of anything. And uh, the thing that really has guided my life has been prayer. And if there's one thing that really helped in my walk over all these years before I got married, and even now, it's just that walk with the Lord, you know, day to day, 
uh, FaceTime with Yeshua. And so uh, I won't go into all the details of my life, but I just didn't, you know, the Bible says redeem the time. And as a single, I thought, you know, I could sit there and watch TV or read books, but education became a strong part in my life. And uh, I, uh, God helped me to complete an MBA and a PhD in 04. And it's a blessing to be in this congregation because I remember Beth Adonai's roots, uh, the first inaugural service way, way, way back when. I danced at the congregation several times. And so it's a real delight to be here. Coupled with that, as well as what Jeff's going to share here, to, um, you know, I participated in a work in Israel since 1987. 1987 was the first time I ever went to Israel. I went as a volunteer for the Israeli army. Very difficult for this Jewish American princess who'd never slept in a, on a cot with six under other women in May with no air conditioning. And to be totally transparent, I cried every night for the first 12 nights going to sleep because it was so hard. I mean, in it was just very, it was like boot camp, but beyond explanation because of the culture shock, because of jet lag, because of spiritual warfare. It was very difficult, but God showed me what loving self, selfless service to Israel was, because it was selfless service. And uh, they still have the program, by the way, uh, Volunteers for Israel, or SAR-L, uh, where you can go for almost a month, and it's a reduced cost, but it, believe me, Boot camp in American uh, Armed Forces is easy compared to this. It was hard. But I saw what it was like to serve the Israel people, our brothers and sisters. So our work now, and I really commend Rabbi uh, Scott and Judy and Lynn Schultz and others, Nolly, who have come by our side to encourage us in this work. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 is the Shema. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 6.5 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then in Leviticus and also in Matthew, it says, And love your neighbor as yourself. So the true north for Sar Shalom Israel is to love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, soul, and might. And so we go with the purpose of loving God, uh, sharing our faith as we can. Because when you add that spiritual quotient to a trip to Israel, it just makes the dynamic. It's not a tour. We're 501c3. So we acknowledge God. We acknowledge USA, you know, IRS, because we are a tax deduction if people participate for 12 days with us. But we also bless those, the underserved. We come alongside of a pro-life organization that saves babies because abortion is rampant in Israel. It's a very secular society, but even the Orthodox are seeking out abortions. And one of the only organizations in Israel that stands in the gap for the unborn, it's run by a believer, uh, she's a Jewish believer. Uh, we come alongside with blankets, newborn baby things, onesies, things like that. We um, come alongside all ranges there, you know, uh, a battered women's shelter, a battered teen shelter that ha they had experienced abuse uh, in an orthodox uh, family. They had ended up 
uh, on the street as a prostitute, and this shelter shelters them till they reach the age of 18 where they can serve in the army or do volunteer service. So we bring them skirts or um, little jewelry, scarves, just basic, basic things, but we let them know we love them. To all the way to the elderly and the Holocaust survivors, and God has given us a connection with an organization, a very small but great work in Israel uh, that connects outside of Tel Aviv with the elderly and the Holocaust survivors. And this past October, we brought bathrobes, almost 70 bathrobes, and Nali sewed into that. Um, and uh, the Lord gave us the opportunity to share Isaiah 53.6, a testimony that's in Yeshayahu, Isaiah. So anyway, we give God the glory for what he is doing, he has done, and he's going to do. And I just want to say, Toda Rabah, thanks for being here. You know, thanks for listening and, and your love and your care for Israel and her people. Because as you've seen, anti-Semitism is out there, whether it's in our backyard uh, or across the world, we're affected by it. And Jeff is going to be doing this evening um, with the elders here on a seminar on uh, congregation safety, uh, which affects us all. So to God be all the glory, thank you. And uh, without any further ado, my better half, Dr. Jeffrey, policeman, professor, husband, but husband comes first, Scythe. <laughs> Love you, honey. Thank you. I, I disagree with her saying that I'm the better half, but thank you. I, uh, it really is uh, such a thrill to be here, uh, and I mean that sincerely, that uh, just excellence just exudes in the place. You know, it's just a great example of taking an older building and just getting it up to par. There's a kind of excellence that just, you know, upstairs and downstairs and wonderful people that work here serve the Lord here. Uh, I'm really honored. The, the genesis of our coming was there was a conference in Dallas with the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations. And, and I was asked to come and talk about congregational security in the wake of the debacle in Pittsburgh some months back when a gunman entered a facility and unleashed on innocents. Uh, that it kind of peaked within the the Jewish world, the need to look at security in congregations because anti-Semitism is on the rise. Now I was ahead of that curve a little bit because I'm bivocational. I've served principally as a Bible college and seminary professor, but I also, as Barry introduced me, as policeman. So I've, I, I have the rank and title of commander. I have a career in law enforcement. I am um, the assistant director of police academy with the Dallas County Community Colleges. And under the auspices of the Dallas Area Community College, I have been asked with a number of others, uh, some police chiefs and executives, to go. And it was particularly a concern before the Jewish community was interested in security in religious space. The African-American church was interested in it, owing to uh, tragedies there. So I had, uh, though recently asked, and where I, I, I ran into Rabbi, and he said, why don't you come here and minister on Shabbat for the service, and additionally talk about security, uh, because I was asked to go 
do something with uh, these rabbis to, to look at a congregational security, but it's something that I've been doing for quite some time. But that's not my purpose for being here. Uh, Rabbi asked Barry and I just to share our testimonies a little bit and a little bit about Sar Shalom Ministries. And I'm going to do that only a little bit because um, it's, it's a Bible study time too, and what I want to do is look at biblical texts. I don't want to just have us to look more deeply into what uh, we're all about as much as invite you to look a little more deeply into the Haftorah portion that, 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 that's assigned today in Ezekiel chapter 36. But my name is, is Jeffrey Seif. It's, it's a German-Jewish name. My mother was smuggled out of Nazi Germany by nuns. My father's family came over before the war. I was raised in a Jewish community. I went to Jewish schools, a Jewish yeshiva, which is a religious Jewish school. Uh, in the early 70s, like many others, I became a hippie and threw off conventional culture and sex, drugs, rock and roll and all of that. And in the context of that, I traveled and I met other young hippie type people that were, quote, turned on to Jesus. Like me, these were guys that prided themselves with long hair and denim and rock and roll, but were rocking to the rock of ages these days. And uh, so I was uh, prevailed upon uh, on a number of occasions, but I kept, look, I'm a Jew, I don't believe in all this stuff, but, you know, I was challenged by a, a young guy and uh, opened up a Bible, and uh, I just really got convicted by the Lord. It's like the Lord just leapt out of those pages, and this guy got me to pray the sinner's prayer, and I did, and kind of forsook, you know, my, you know, hippie, drugs, rock and roll, and what have you, and really started to get into the Word. Eventually, I surrendered to a call to the ministry. I uh, um, was in my mid-20s at the time, and uh, just felt what I wanted to do with my life was to uh, uh, serve the Lord. I was encouraged to go to Bible college then. Moody Bible Institute in Chicago had a Jewish studies program, uh, so I began the journey there. I pivoted away from that, finally, and... Uh, uh, and uh, that, I don't mean that in a negative way, but after that I wound up going to graduate school. I went to Southern Methodist University where I took a master's degree and a doctorate in theology, ministry. Also went to Harvard University where I took a continuing education certificate in, 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 in leadership studies and the like. And I've been principally a, uh, a Bible college professor. Uh, but not just that, in a classroom, I, uh, and Barry and I were just in Israel. She'd mentioned the trips that, uh, that she takes and that we take. Uh, we went over there for different purposes together, just got back two weeks ago. Uh, in America, there's a fellow who, his name's Zola Levitt, had a television program, and uh, um, he taught the Jewish roots of the Christian faith from Israel. That was his niche, and in conjunction with the teaching, he would... Uh, hire actors and do dramatic vignettes to kind of embellish the teachings to bring it alive. Well, when he died um, 10, 12 years ago, he, he asked me to step up and take that over, and I did um, for five years until I wound up pivoting away from that to secure a full title professorship. Plus, I was asked to serve as the project manager for a new Bible translation called the Tree of Life, which I'll talk to you about a little bit later on. It's a wonderful um, 
rendition of biblical literature that was penned by uh, Jewish people who had come to faith and individuals of non-Jewish extract who fell in love with the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, who went, everyone went and got the requisite graduate degrees and able to do Bible translation work. So it's a joint venture program. So I pivoted away from the television in order to, uh, I worked the translation and then as a professor, but then uh, they asked me to come back. And so I was just in Israel a couple of weeks ago finishing a television series on the early conquest. We were there in the West Bank looking at uh, the movements of Joshua and the group when they penetrated into Eretz Canaan, the land of Canaan. And we went to all these different archaeological sites and just kind of walked through uh, the initial conquest of Canaan beginning at Jericho where the walls came down. We're there in those ruins. There's 20-some different layers of excavations in Jericho. Prides itself in being the oldest city in the world, certainly one of them. And I don't want to get into that in any great detail, but I was there working television while Barry was working contacts in anticipation of our coming trip to Israel. Um, when I go with Barry to Israel, and I'm really following her lead on that, uh, Barry, before we marry, just, you know, you can, you can tell when you talk to her and you hear her voice, she's a beautiful person inside and out, sincerely, authentically so. And she had a burden to want to go there and bless Israel. A lot of people are interested in that in different ways. The problem, I mean, there are whole mega industrial ministries that raise hundreds of millions of dollars to go, uh, you know, John Hagee has Christians United for Israel and others. But none of that really goes to the Messianic Jewish community. None of the revenue that's raised goes to gospel outreaches. It goes to administrative centers, to hospitals, to Jewish organizations. And we're glad for all of that. But there are smaller ministries in Israel that are much more gospel related that are starving because they don't have access to all of that. You know, and I appreciate John Hagee for wanting to build bridges with the Jewish community and encourage Christians to stand behind Israel. And then there's APAC, there's others, let's stand behind Israel, that's great, but, but they can't work with people like me and Barry because we're Jewish believers in Jesus. And uh, we just don't fit the, uh, the niche there, you know. You know, John Hagee brings Jews together and Christians together to support Israel, to help people come from the Soviet Union and return to Israel. And there's a lot of help for national Israel, and it's beautiful. But, but we, we mean, I'm not even saying this to be critical, but uh, we're not just interested in national Israel. We're interested in spiritual Israel. You know, a lot of people go to Israel today. They take trips to Israel. They want to see where Jesus walked yesterday. Well, we want to support where Jesus is walking today over there. And there are big ministries. They're like elephants. They're big, and there's industrial complexes, millions. And when they boom, 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 when they walk through the ground, they shake. They're so big. But if you look at an ecosystem, there's elephants, but then there's all kinds of mice, and there's smaller creatures. They don't get the attention, but they all participate in the ecosystem. And if you look at what the Lord is doing today in Israel, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's not of particular interest to a lot of the, the, the major organizations that are all about supporting Israel, but on the spiritual side, there's about 175 or 200 Messianic congregations like this in Israel now. We're looking at 20-some thousand believers 
Uh, we're looking at all kinds of congregational works and, uh, uh, and, and various kinds of ministries. And, you know, Israel, um, it, it's tough. It's hard to find a dollar there. It's hard to find a friend uh, to support. And what was on Barry's heart to do with Sar Shalom Israel is to go and really try and connect with and help these various ministries. And by the way, I think it's a mistake just to ask people for money. People, there are people that are retired, they don't make a lot of money, but they have gifts, you know, and people sew quilts and blankets and we give. And you know, just like I can come in here and I can tell a physical plant that exudes quality, it says something about the management here. Everything is clean, it's beautiful, it's perfected. I walk down the steps and you just look and you see and you think whoever's managing this thing uh, and whoever's helping in it, they're really doing something right. You, you, you can tell excellence when you see it. And, uh, and, and, and it stands out to me because you don't see it so much in culture anymore. You know, people that are committed to excellence, to me it's in very high demand but very short supply. Well, it's true too. Someone sews and they make a blanket and a quilt and it's handmade and it's beautiful. We will give it to a woman there and, and she knows it wasn't just manufactured in mass. It, it has that, 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 that kind of excellence and that beauty and to give in Yeshua's name, it, it, it breaks down barriers. And not only that, but to distribute monies. When, when people give uh, to Sar Shalom Ministries, they're not supporting me or Barry at all. That, uh, you know, I have, you know, Barry's 65, but she's a full-time professor and a chair in a, in a university. Similarly, I myself work in television. I, 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 uh, um, I'm a professor, active, you know, with police to a certain extent still. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I like money, but, but, I, but when we talk about Sar Shalom Ministries, it's not a front to help us with our ministries. It really, if it's, it really goes to there. So, well, I'd like you to open up your Bibles, please, and I want to look at the Haftorah portion for 15 minutes, and um, I want to look at it. Um, I'm going to be. I was asked to minister this morning, and I, uh, my default position, whenever I'm asked to minister somewhere, is to go to the Torah portion that Jews are looking at the world over, and having opportunity to uh, to do a little conversating prior to that, I want to look at the Haftorah portion. We're looking in the 36th chapter of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel, let me hear you say Chazak. Chazak is the word for strength. Ezekiel uh, comes from a Hebrew word meaning God strengthens. When we open up the prophet Ezekiel, we're, we're going back in time to the 600s BC. So we're going back in time 2600 years ago to a man who found himself ministering to people who were in abysmal straits. Uh, Ezekiel was ministering to refugees. The uh, nation-state of Babylon had overrun the Assyrians and made their entrance uh, with vigor and verve. And in 605 BCE, the Babylonians... Um, had annexed Judea as one of their holdings. Uh, what happened is that uh, there was a suzerain treaty 
uh, in the context of which the Judeans were supposed to pay tribute and do other things. And with that, they were allowed to keep their own government in play, but they were submitted to uh, the larger Babylonian uh, administration. What happened is uh, Judea did not live up to the terms of endearment and rebelled with the net result then that Babylonia didn't come with their diplomats, they came with their armies. And uh, the, the temple was destroyed. Scott, Rabbi, could you tell me what time do you want me to finish? Whenever you're done. No, because I don't want... We've done it. This part's done at 11 o'clock. If you have to go over five minutes... No, I won't go over. I'll want to... But you can't. We have a, we have a, plus. We have a, a zone. Gotcha. I appreciate it, but I don't want to... I appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> you're used to long-winded preachers. The, uh, uh, the Judeans were imposed upon by the Babylonians who were bent for war... And the net result of that was that um, Judeans were displaced, the temple was destroyed, and people that survived the ravages of war uh, were taken off into captivity. And Ezekiel was their man. Ezekiel had been taken off uh, to uh, the captivity. In fact, there's this fantastic vision at the beginning of Ezekiel. He sees in the skies, people think flying saucers or whatever. The Lord shows himself powerful um, experientially. And, uh, uh, but Ezekiel had a vision of a powerful God, but he was dealing with people that were disempowered. Their lives were hanging on by a thread. It was characterized by uncertainty. Uh, you know how you feel when you're unemployed, you know, there, there's, there's this prevailing uncertainty. Or a woman who's divorced, her, her, her man throws her under the bus, takes off and runs, and she thinks, well, what am I going to do now? You know, there, there are seasons in life where they, they, they just look tough. Well, Ezekiel's ministering to people that are experiencing toughness on steroids. I mean, it is, it is tough multiplied. They have been removed from their ancestral homeland. They're six, seven, eight hundred miles away from their place of origin at a time where the average person didn't travel 75 miles from their place of origin in the course of a lifetime. They're, they're, they don't have social connection, kinsfolk. They don't know the language, the culture. They're just displaced people. And things look so very hopeless. Well, that's the background. Uh, but when you look in Ezekiel chapter 36, the Lord says that I'm going to restore those people to their homeland. And I want to just work through it. I don't want to just talk about the text as much as I want to hear from it and then pivot from it a little bit to penetrate into it a little more deeply. Now, if you look in verse 24, the Lord says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you out of all the countries and bring you back to your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Now let me just say parenthetically, because we're moderns, uh, these are ancients. 
the reason why I mention that, when he says, I'm going to bring you back to the, your, your land, these were agrarians, they're farmers. And success in life is predicated upon real estate. They're, they're, they're not professionals that are making a living on education, you know, medical doctors, accountants, lawyers. They're not living off of pensions that were established previously. That security is tethered to real estate. And thus, when you're disconnected from land, then all you can hope for is to be slave stock to work other people's lands. But here, uh, with the word, I'm going to bring you back to your land, it, it, it's profoundly significant. And I think, by the way, people at, at an emotional level, at the soulish level, they're asking the question. Even if you don't know you're asking it, you know it if you don't know the answer to it. The people ask, who do I belong to? Who do I belong with? Is, is there a place I can belong that resides in the human breast? And people feel it. If they don't feel connected to someone, something, some place, this can be particularly true, I should say, of the males of the species, uh, not to single out the guys, but, uh, you know, a male who's unemployed. I mean, he's going to come home and marriage is probably not going to be very happy because he's just going to be grumpy. It just, it just kind of goes with the territory. It's just tough. And, and similarly, you know, a woman who's kind of disconnected and thrown under the bus or whatever. Well, uh, here, these people who have experienced the, the dissolution of security are told they're going to come back. And he says in verse 26, not only is he going to give them a new chance at the land, he says, moreover, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the stony heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my ruach within you, I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my laws so you'll keep my rulings and do them. That it's not just something material that God is intending to do with people, it's spiritual as well. And I think personally, you know, we hear language today, well, we need to invite Jesus Christ into our heart as our personal Lord and Savior. It sounds so very Christian. Uh, but the whole idea of, of, of the Holy Spirit coming into the heart and transforming a person is rooted in the Hebrew Bible. You know, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's this author who realizes, by the way, that it was sin that brought about a judgment that resulted in people being excised from their land. So the solution isn't just bringing them back to the land. You know, if you take a junkie, drug addict, you know, he lost a job because he was a drug addict, he wasn't living responsibly, he was stealing from the boss, lost the job, well, that's a real bummer. You give him another job, if he's a drug addict, he's just going to do the same thing. Because those proclivities, those tendencies, that bad way of living is going to follow him in the new economy. 
Or people go from these serial relationships, talk to one guy from one girl to the next to the next to the next. He's taking his problem with him as he goes because the problem isn't the women. You know, the problem is interior too. And uh, this author in the Hebrew Bible says that, 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 that what people need is a change of heart. And, 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 and that's affected by the Lord. By the way, I should say parenthetically, I think it's impossible for a Jewish person to accept the Lord, to accept Jesus, given all the bad history and all the bad blood, you know, and everything. It's just a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle when anybody accepts the Lord. Because it's so counterintuitive to, live a, 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 to walk with the Lord. Because I know how the game of life is played. You know, I've been on the planet 63 years, you know, and people are kind of out for themselves. They're out for their own interests. You know, you, you look at a dog <laughs> sniffing around. You know, people are just sniffing around in life trying to get a meal, trying to get a little bit of satisfaction from this, satisfaction from that. <laughs> People are just driven and they go through life trying to uh, uh, decrease their pain and increase their pleasure. You know, what can I get? Who can turn me on? Where I can get, get some satisfaction from this and that. Then you accept the Lord and it's not all about getting, it's all about giving. It's counterintuitive. How can I bless you? How can I help you? I mean, for someone to, I mean, to get a man to part from his money, it takes a miracle. It just doesn't come easy. I, I don't give it up. You know what I mean? I'm a tough guy. I mean, I don't want to say I don't give it up. I, but the Lord prompts me to be generous with, with monies. That's counterintuitive by nature. My point here is that the, the, if you have here in Ezekiel, he says, listen, I'm going to bring you back to land, and I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit within you, and you'll be prompted internally to walk with me. In verse 28, then you will live in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Then, the, 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 the answer for the Jewish people isn't just coming back to the land. That's why Sarshalo Ministries, Prince of Peace, uh, you know, that... that I believe and we believe and I trust that you believe that the, the answer to the human dilemma is it's spiritual. It's not just something material, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to stand before you and, and, and open up the scriptures. We're in the house of the Lord this morning. And what makes it excellent isn't just that the carpet is clean and the chairs are set up straight, and that uh, there's toilet paper downstairs, and, and, and the restrooms are clean, and, 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 and everything looks right, and it's made right. What makes, what makes the house excellent isn't just that the, uh, the, the plants are trimmed. You know, when you walk up here, you look at a, a lawn that's manicured, and you know, you can ask any girl who goes out on a first date that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. I'm just sharing with you things that I notice as I walk through the doors. Once you've been walking through the doors, you don't notice them anymore. It's just part of the house. But, but there's a sense in which, you know, I walk through and I'm going, you know, you know, boy, these people 
whoever's in charge of all this really wants to, to adorn the gospel, to make it look good. And I, and I affirm that. Uh, but excellence isn't just uh, the exterior. Excellence is internalized here. And I should say that as I move beyond it, that, uh, that, that, that if you're at a place where you haven't yourself uh, received that new heart and that new spirit, that new disposition, um, it, it comes on the heels of someone just asking. It's, the, you know, the free gift of God is a New Testament verse. It's, it's for the asking. And there's a whole new life, a whole new life that, 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 that's bounding with, with possibilities. I, I really believe that deeply. He says in verse 29, I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring famine upon you. Now these are farmers, and he says, listen, you're going to have success in life. You know, you, know you, you can be a farmer, and you can dig those furrows deep. You can put the seeds there in the right time of the year, but you need heaven to open up and for rain to come down. If there's no rain, there's no grain. At the end of the day, you can do everything that you know you need to do, but you need heaven's help to come and water it to, 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 to give you the success in life that you need. And he says here that I will save you from your uncleanliness and I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring famine upon you. I believe, and this is, I should just say parenthetically as I start to get the landing gear down here, I don't personally um, like the term soul winning. I mean, that's a, that's a common term in, in, in Christian circles, soul winning. You know, and, and it's, not that I, it's not that I have an aversion to saving souls. It's just I have a realization that the Lord doesn't want to just save souls. That is to say, to walk with the Lord, it's just not a question of being able to experience religion in a way that we can have life after death. People want to know if there's life before death. If there's something now, if I can get utility out of this now, or is it just an investment on the other side of the grave? If I understand the literature that, you know, walking with the Lord, a new heart and a new spirit, it translates into a kind of success in life now that wouldn't otherwise be there. That, that doesn't mean that you're all going to be, we're all going to be driving a Bentley down the street, but it means that we're going to be at a better place than where the Lord found us when we first turned to him. He says in verse 30, I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field so that you will no longer bear the disgrace of famine among the nations. I just think it's beautiful. If you look in verse 33, and I want to I, I get out of this and pivot away, Rabbi gave me the opportunity to speak a little longer, but pretty much already said what I wanted to say. That uh, he says, um, thus says Adonai Elohim, in the day that I pronounce you clean from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the ruins will be rebuilt. 
Now, I don't want to say this building was a ruin, but I know that it's a rebuilt job. That uh, um, the building doesn't remind me of, of the newest in, in architecture. I think we're looking at religious space that was created in a previous generation. You know, and I don't, you know, I'm not in the real estate business. But, but there, 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 there's something that was older. And maybe they got a steal, I don't know. But someone could have said, this building has seen its better days, but then something else came in here, someone else came in here and turned it around and brought this building to life. And who knows, it could very well be that what's being transacted in this house, it could be said that the latter days of the house are greater than the former. Why can't that be a template for individuals who ask the Lord into this house? He says here that, that, that God is all about uh, you know, going to ruined places and rebuilding them. And, and, and I don't know about you, but there's some ruined places in my life, to tell you the truth. There are things in life that have disappointed me. Not everything is as I'd hoped for, quite frankly. You know, I've raised children, not all of whom follow the ways of their father. And there are things that give me a little grief. You know, kids grow up and, you know, they go off, you know, you know, you know, you know. Once you visit Gay Paris, you don't want to come back to the farm, you know. It, it, it's, uh, there, there are things that, 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 that keep me up at night that, 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 that are cause for prayer. And I just believe that God is in the rebuilding business, that it isn't all over yet. So, in sum, Rabbi said, I'll tell you what, Jeff. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come with Barry and, and uh, you know, we met at a security conference. Uh, we met at a conference of rabbis, rather, where I was asked to talk about congregational security. And uh, I'm going to speak to that later in the afternoon. And the rabbi said, I'll tell you what, Saif, why don't you come and, uh, and, and, and share about that and, and, and bring the word uh, for our main worship service. And then why don't you and Barry take the, the 10 o'clock hour and share a little bit about your ministry. So I didn't want to take away anything from Barry, let her share everything she wants to say, however she wants to say it. And I said, honey, but when you give it to me, I'll share a brief word about myself, but what I want to do is look at the biblical text. And it just so happened, happily, that the, uh, the biblical text this morning, because Jews the world over are looking at Ezekiel 36, along with the Torah portion in Leviticus today. And it just so happens that the Torah portion, uh, the Haftorah portion in Ezekiel dovetails nicely with what Barry and I are all about and what you're all about if you're part of this ministry, a Messianic Jewish experience to varying degrees. We're all about wanting to help uh, Jewish people. I mean, for me, I want to help Jewish people come to know Jesus, and I want to help Jesus people come to know Jews. That matters to me. That matters to me. You know, and, um, but it's so central to it all is to want to help people 
Jewish people and non-Jewish people get a new heart and a new spirit and experience with the grace of God. Sar Shalom Ministries is all about, just like this congregation and you, it's all about wanting people to uh, be able to experience the, the new start, the new beginnings, the new lease on life that's available because God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world. And he didn't just come into the world in general. He came into your world and my world in particular. But not just that, we're living in a day where the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, is making an entrance again into the Jewish world. We haven't seen that for 2,000 years, but we're seeing that today in different ways. God bless you. Thank you so much for affording me the opportunity to share. I look forward again to looking at the scripture with you when we look at the book of Leviticus during the worship service. You're dismissed. God bless. Thank you.